0: Welcome to the Kingdom Allegiance podcast. My name is Joe.
1: Hi, I'm Whitney.
0: And this is my beautiful wife, Whitney. You guys know her. But today, we are jumping in to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So we prayed about what we wanted to share with you guys, and we really felt like the Lord wanted us to touch on the fact of how forgiveness heals us as believers in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like for our life? How does forgiveness... Um, play out in our relationship with the Lord, how He forgives us, how does forgiveness play out in the life of brother to brother, sister to sister, and life in, as a Christian, and then what does forgiveness look like for ourselves when we're able to look at what God's done and, and how He's forgiven us and loved us, and then we can look at Scripture and and begin to forgive ourselves even for the things that we feel like we can't get over, and so we're going to jump right into that today. But I'm gonna start us off with a story. So when I was a freshman in high school, I was bullied for about six or seven years growing up. And I was I was I was for some reason I was like I was the the butt of like every joke. I was like made fun of because I was like chunkier. So I was like four foot eleven until I like You're became little. I was so small. I was but until I <laughs> Um, I had a growth spurt into like high school. I think it was junior high, high school that I started to grow. Um, But I was like kind of chunky, you know, like kind of insecure about like my acne. And I have olive skin, you know, as you can tell, I'm a little bit darker than my wife, you know, Uh, a little bit Carmel. And so, so, um, you know, I just I always was the person that was picked on for whatever reason. And freshman year, it got to the point where it got really bad. And um, this kid hid his friend's football helmet. I was on the football team in high school. Hid his helmet above his locker and blamed it on me. I didn't know the kid. I didn't know the friend that was doing this. And I ended up walking into the community showers to shower after football practice or game. I forget what it was. And um, he came in there. The whole team kind of stood and watched as he approached me. I'm fully naked in in the community lockers. He walks up to me. He grabs me by the throat. I have soap in my eyes because I'm in the middle of shampooing. I don't even know what's going on. And he's, he's, he's throwing me back and forth saying, where's my helmet? What'd you do with my helmet? Um, I have no idea what's going on. I'm, I'm yelling at him. I don't know what you're doing. Why are you doing this to me? And this team's just standing there. He ends up throwing me on the ground. I just start crying uncontrollably because I didn't know what to do. Um, and I didn't really have it in me to like fight back, you know, like I, I was always someone who like protected other people, Mm -hmm. but I never really knew how to like fight back for myself. And so out of that place where he was really, it really was traumatizing for me. I like walked out of that room. The team was there. Some of the guys gave me hugs and pats and said, I'm sorry, dude, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. (laughs) You know, like you just stood there and watched and the coaches were in the the back office and they couldn't see because everyone was standing in front of the window. And yeah, it just, it was one of the most like lonely, isolating, like painful moments of my, my walk. Um, Even up into the point where like I became a Christian, I'm like, this is a really big deal for me. Um, and really hurt in a lot of ways. And I remember, like, I was telling Whitney in the car earlier that, like, I didn't quite, like, I started going to church when I was, like, 11 or 12. And I really started to understand, like, God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and what God has done. And I gave my life to Christ at 16, but this was still my freshman year. And so like I was getting a, a, getting a, an understanding of faith and, and Christ and Christianity. And I remember freshman year, when that happened, the Lord spoke to me so clearly in my heart and was like, forgive him. And I remember walking through the hallways and seeing him. And feeling so like uncomfortable. Like with myself, knowing that everybody saw this. Everybody stood by and watched. And he's still going around campus like nothing happened, right? And I remember coming up to him and a friend and pulling him aside. And telling him like, bro, I need to talk to you. You know, like we need to have a conversation about this. And so I end up pulling him aside. We end up talking about what happened. I told him. You don't deserve this. You did nothing to earn this. And I know you're not going to understand it, but I just want you to know that I forgive you. And he looked at me and was like in shock because he didn't like it didn't register to him like, like what? And then I remember just his whole demeanor changed. And he's like, I'm so sorry. He like confessed and he (laughs) repented for what he did. Um, if that's what you would call it. But he apologized for what he did. Uh, he recognized his wrong. And I remember he like hugged me and he, he was like he was grieved. And then from that moment on, he never bullied me again. That's awesome. And that was my first experience of like true forgiveness, of giving something to someone that doesn't deserve it, undeserved. It's grace it's undeserved mercy. It's undeserved grace. It's undeserved favor. It's giving something to somebody that they don't deserve. And that was the first time I ever felt like the Lord was teaching me something about mercy and about grace. And through that experience, like through me forgiving him, the Lord healed my heart. Like I don't look back now and still feel the pain of that moment. Mm. I don't. I don't look at him or or even like recognize him. Like I, I sometimes I see him around town um, where I'm from. But like when I see him, I don't hold this bitterness or this resentment or he needs to pay for what he did um, because I recognize what Jesus had already did for me. And so we're going to jump right into scripture and we're going to talk about unfor- forgiveness and unforgiveness um, and what that looks like. So we're going to jump right to Matthew 18. So if you're with us, mm-hmm. Matthew 18, if you're listening, if you're watching online or maybe you're at the gym or you're in your car or you're sipping some coffee right now, chilling with us. Oh my thank you for being with us. Uh, <laughs> but we are going to jump right into Matthew 18, starting with verse 21. This is right after Matthew 18 is the famous passage for church discipline. So in verses 15 through 20. Um that that is Jesus is telling them how to deal with sin when someone sins against mm-hmm. them. My dog's drinking thirsty. water right now. <laughs> Our dog is totally thirsty. Come way down. So in verses fifteen to twenty, Jesus is addressing church discipline and then in verses 21 through 35 he's addressing forgiveness mm-hmm. and he uses a parable to illustrate that Jesus taught in parables he loved sharing stories and learning and teaching people how to learn kingdom principles by using things that were familiar with and so right peter comes up to him and says lord how often will my brother sin against me and i forgive him as many as 7 times but jesus said to him I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And then he goes on in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants or bondservants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. I was just telling Whitney this at the bottom of our ESV Bible and the journaling Bible. It says... Um, That a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages of labor. So imagine this one servant owes the king 10,000 talents. We did the math. 20 years times 10,000 talents is 200,000 years worth of wages.
1: There's no way he could ever pay that back. There's
0: no way. There's no way in heaven or in hell. That he could pay back the debt that was owed. Yeah. And so it says, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. Payment has to be made. It's going to be either you or Jesus. Payment is going to be made. The king is going to be paid. But it's either going to be by you, or it's going to be by what Jesus has done mm-hmm. on your behalf. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay everything. Who in their right mind would be like, I'll be able to work off 200,000, 200, years. My boy ain't even living a hundred.
1: Oh let gosh. alone
0: 200,000 years. What does he think? He's some immortal celestial being that like, like he's an angel. I'm gonna live forever. So I'll be able to pay it off. There's no way there's no way he'll be able to pay it off. The point that the servant was asking was for mercy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mercy, have mercy on me. I will pay everything. I'll do anything for you to forgive me of this debt. Verse 27, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Oh, our debt has been forgiven. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Okay, a hundred denarii, a denarii was a day's wage of labor. So if he owed him a hundred, that's about a hundred days worth of wages. So three, a little over three months, 30, 60, 90. So about three months and 10 days. And it says, and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe me or pay what you owe so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. What did the servant just do before the king?
1: He pleaded.
0: He fell down and pleaded for mm-hmm. him what? To have mercy on me. And look what this other servant says Have patience with me and I will pay you. The same plea that the servant before asked the king is the same plea that the second servant is asking the one that was forgiven his debt. And when his fellow servant saw what had. T- oh. Sorry, (laughs) verse 30. 30, He refused, meaning the first servant, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, other people noticed. Okay, I'm going to go back to that. (laughs) They were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. The first servant that was forgiven everything and God had mercy on this first servant. The king had mercy on this first servant. He's now calling him wicked. He forgave him all of his debt. There's no way he could pay back 200,000 years worth of wages. And the king says, you're free. I've forgiven all of your debt. And then the next time he sees him, he says, you're wicked.
1: Hmm.
0: Something happened. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? Where else have we heard this? Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. Be merciful, right? As your heavenly father has been merciful to you. Be merciful. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. It also says torturers. So in the Greek, I mean the English is very uh it's very nice when it's talking about what it actually is. But it says in the Greek that is in his anger, he delivered him to the torturers or the tormentors. Just take a deep breath. That's heavy until he should pay all of his debt. So also, here's where Jesus turns the parable. My heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus is speaking not to the crowd. He's not speaking to unbelievers. Jesus is speaking to Peter and the disciples. And he's saying, God will do this to you. Not those out there. You who called me your your Lord and your Savior and and God's your father.
1: You who have been forgiven.
0: Yeah, you who have been forgiven. Jesus all throughout his ministry is saying, your sins are forgiven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's forgiving people. And this parable of the unforgiving servant, it's like, I don't think we recognize like when people harm us, it's like a hundred days worth of wages. But then when we look at our relationship in in contrast with God and he's forgiven 200,000 years worth of wages what does that say when you go and hold someone in chains what does that say to the world yeah. when you will not forgive and it says right here my brother so talking about believer to believer disciple to disciple In the body of Christ, when we don't forgive people, what does it say? He says, you wicked servant. God actually hates unforgiveness. I would go so far to say that God is displeased with unforgiveness. Because he modeled it. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God, they don't get it. They don't understand. They're crucifying me. But I forgive them. The power of the cross is the blood of Jesus and the mercy that was poured out so that all of us could come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. All of us. Like He poured out His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness and for you to go to somebody that owes you like in my story of being bullied, if I were to hold that against him, even now, what, nine years later, and to be like, he still owes me. I would be keeping not only myself in a prison, but Jesus says, if you forgive others, then you will also be forgiven. Don't you think that that there, there's actually a very real consequence for not forgiving people? hmm like, it says, not only this that he didn't forgive him, but that, oh man, I didn't even see that in verse twenty eight. Hundred denarii seized him and he began to choke him. <laughs> the way I was treated, in that locker room, being choked out, saying, "Where's my, where's my stuff?" I then turn around and do it to him. But knowing that. God's forgiven me, the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus and the righteousness that's been given to me because of the cross of Calvary and what God has done. I'm going to go around and I'm going to treat people in an unforgiving way. That makes no sense. Yeah. Right? And, And it says right here, what? his fellow servants saw what had taken place and they were greatly distressed and went and reported to the master everything. Like, you think it's just you and that other person. Unforgiveness affects people around you. Your witness, your testimony, the way you live your life. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower and you live for Jesus, and you live. I'm not saying that something happens to you and you're working on it and the Lord's, you know, convicting you and the Holy Spirit's telling you, yeah, hey, you should forgive and, and you're working on it and you're willing to bring that to the Lord and to forgive that person. That's different. But I'm saying this servant went and threw this man in prison until he paid back his debt in light of what had just been done for him, forgiven a, a eternity's worth of debt. And it's like, man, when we we walk in unforgiveness towards another person, towards a believer, even, those in our community of faith, it damages the witness. It damages the way people see Christianity. Other people around you will see what you do and how you live and the way that you go about your life. And And if you say, I follow Jesus, He loves me, He forgave me, He died for me, and He did all these things for me. But then you go and you treat someone absolutely terribly because of what they did for you. That means you really don't understand what Jesus did for you. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, because forgiveness stems from what Jesus did for us. So... Because we're Christians, we're supposed to be modeling Jesus. Yep. So who is Jesus? What's his character? And forgiveness is a huge part of who he is, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. Yeah. So how can we call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, if we don't embody what he did? Mm. Because throughout Scripture, it's not even just Him forgiving us of our sins. Like it's not just in the Gospels, it's throughout the entire scriptures. Like God's the same. Yesterday, today, yep. and forever, he embodies forgiveness, mercy, and grace throughout the entire Bible. Yes. And so I can, if you, I have so many scriptures just
0: what about Jonah.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Okay, but I have so many scriptures just like showing who God is. I feel like forgiveness stems from us knowing who God is, what his, what his character is because how can we embody who Jesus is without knowing who he is through the scriptures because we can't we can't just think we know who he <laughs> is good. in our own life without being in the word learning his character learning who he is it all comes from spending time with him and knowing yeah knowing him and just being intimate with him and just seeing his forgiveness for us in our own life and all the people in the Bible, he had mercy and grace on. Okay. So I just have some, I have some passages to share, just to give us a background of why this is so important and and yeah. why we're doing this. Like, why does it matter?
0: Why because, does forgiveness matter? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Ephesians one seven. I'm just gonna go through some passages just to help us understand. Yeah. Who Jesus is, his character and. Hi, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just gonna jump in. Go so for it. Ephesians one seven, and some of these don't need a lot of explanation. They're just pretty self-explanatory. But I'm just gonna go through them. So Ephesians one seven. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Thank you, Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses according mm. to the riches of His grace. Amen. Jesus is rich in grace, and yep. He forgives us of all of our sin, all of our trespasses. The lifetime of debt we can never pay back. That is what he's he's forgiving. The blood of Jesus literally washes away our debt. And uh, oh, I just want to just mention the power of Jesus' blood and just how much power that has to wash away all of the sin, all of us missing the mark. Yep. The murderers, the the um the thieves the, the adulterers the liars just can you imagine for a second how much sin god has forgiven like the thief on the cross and he said remember me when you come into your kingdom and he forgave all of his sin right there
0: yeah
1: he was a thief he he had been in prison and just and stealing his whole life and Jesus forgave him in in an instant how much power is in that
0: mm. He's literally hanging. The thief on the cross is literally hanging with the son of man. Yeah. He's literally hanging with the God of the universe and looks at him and recognizes who he is as king of the universe and gives his loyalty to Jesus. Mm. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus forgives... There is no There is no way that his forgiveness isn't able to do what it does. His forgiveness is all-powerful. He forgives everything you've done. He forgives everything you've done, and he forgives all of your past, your former sins, all the ways you've grieved him, all the ways you've hurt his heart, all the ways you've missed the mark, all the ways you weren't enough because Jesus was perfect. Yeah. In every way. Because he knew you weren't perfect in every way. Everything God did, every the whole story of the Bible is about a man coming, a Messiah coming to rescue a people for him and his kingdom. The whole story from Genesis to Revelation is about prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of a savior king that is coming to rule and reign. And he's going to be righteous. And he is going to make things right. And he is going to save people. And he's going to forgive people. And he's going to empower people with his spirit. And he is going to return again. And there's going to be resurrection from the dead. Those to eternal life and those to eternal death. And we are going to have new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth. And he is going to be reigning forever mm-hmm. as the saving king. And our heart is that people would know, people would have given over their allegiance to Jesus as the true saving king, the forgiving, saving king. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to go through just a couple of more, a oh, couple of more, couple more passages. couple of more. Couple of, would you like a couple of more? <laughs> <laughs> okay. First John 1, 7 through 9. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Mm-hmm. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
0: Mm. So if he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, what does that mean? That there's only righteousness left. So Jesus' forgiveness is totally linked to our right standing with him and the Father. So if Jesus forgives us, that forgiveness makes us right with God. We are now in the righteous column. When God looks at us, he sees us through the blood of his son. And it cleanses us. And the beautiful thing, in the Old Testament, when they did sacrifices, and they were they were spilling the blood of the animal on the altar, their conscience wasn't going to be clean. Their minds weren't made whole. But in the new covenant, in what God has done, and in now living on this side of the cross, mhm. We actually get, it says in there, in First John 1, that we actually get our consciences clean. That is beautiful. Like we get, we, we don't have to remember the stain of our sins. We don't have to dwell on the stain of our sins. But in fact, like we actually get to have the mind of Christ. We actually get to live with a pure conscience. And our heart becomes pure because he changes it he makes us a new creation we want to love him we want to love others he's written the law on our hearts he says he's going to take out our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh as prophesied in Jeremiah and he's done that through the holy spirit mm. i
1: don't know why i just got, i got like a picture in my head of just you know this like white garment mm. and then Just thinking of how dirty our sin is, like having blood all over this garment. And imagine it just going in the mud and being trampled on and Mm. like ripped and like beyond Mm. repair. Yeah. And it's like, you look at that and it's like, that's impossible. There's There's no power. There's nothing on earth that could make this clean. I could do nothing to make this clean. You know, no matter how much I try to wash it, how much good I do. All these things, there's like...
0: You could bleach it. You could try to
1: bleach it, but that isn't going to get rid of the rips, the stains, the blood. Like, bleach does not get rid of everything. Yep. And it's only by the power of Jesus' blood that washes us clean and makes that garment new. Like, those rips are, are healed. Like, all mm. the stains are washed away. It's completely like new. Mm. Even better than new. It's sparkling. It's got glitter on it.
0: <laughs> Lady glitter sparkle, like from trolls. Have you ever seen that movie? Lady glitter sparkles. Uh, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Colossians three thirteen. This babe. is the last one I'll share on this. Good stuff. It's a, or I'm gonna start with twelve.
0: Colossians three twelve.
1: Yeah. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you mm. also must forgive. This is a command. You could you can see that you also must. So there's clear warning in scriptures. We can go into that later, but there's clear warning in scriptures what happens if we do not forgive, especially in the parable. Because we've been forgiven Yeah. Something we could never repay. Yeah. And you know, we're fellow servants. Like our brothers and sisters in Christ, our fellow servants. Yep. And we, we hold that against them, something that is like, you know, owing a penny to something that yeah. we can never pay back. And it's like, how dare we, honestly? Like, mm-hmm. what gives us the right to sit there and sit in the judgment seat of someone else's life? When God has chosen to forgive them, when God is the holy one, the blameless one, well, the one no, who has never to sinned, us. yeah, the one who has never sinned, the one who has the right to condemn them does not. And we sit here just as dirty and filthy as they are. Mm. And we we put ourselves in that judgment seat and say, "Now you pay it back. Mm. Like, what gives us the right? We're not holy. We're not blameless. The Lord makes us so by his blood. But we are just as sinful as the other person around us that we're we're holding that sin against them.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like when we hold on forgiveness, like it said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? This is insane. To think about. But God has made us co-heirs with Christ.
1: Mm.
0: And and it is okay to judge within the body of Christ, to judge fruit, hold people accountable, yes. But when we move into the area of unforgiveness, you are now saying that you're playing the role of God and He won't share His throne.
1: Mm.
0: God will not share His throne of forgiveness Because he's the only one who can forgive sin. And when you walk with Christ, he gives you the ability to forgive others so that it can reflect the heart of the Father. And when you don't forgive, you're misrepresenting him. And he will not have anybody on his team that will live a lifestyle that models the enemy. That is an accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren said, "You did this." He condemns you. He makes you guilty. He condemn or condemns you. He makes you guilty, and he makes you feel terrible shame. And God will not have His children act in that way. That's why it's a command, because forgiveness shows the love of Jesus to another. Unforgiveness shows the the dirt. And the the stupid way of the enemy, that's the best way I can say it, the dumb way of the enemy. Because when we forgive someone else, as God has forgiven us, the blood of Jesus has cleansed our mind, our conscience, our hearts of everything we've done. And then we go and don't forgive someone else, you don't understand the love of God. And you aren't a carrier of his love. The truth of Jesus will reside in you and you will abide in the heart of the Father and you will choose to forgive someone else no matter how painful it was. And it will be painful. And I'm not saying you dismiss what they did or they don't take responsibility for what they did. But even if none of that takes place, even if they never take responsibility, even if they never come to you to admit their fault, even if they never apologize for the way they treated you and what they said, your forgiveness models the heart of Jesus. And we're called to walk in that way. If you're going to be a follower of the way, you are going to forgive those who hurt you, who spite you, who speak evil against you, who treat you harshly, and who want to kill you. Because the love of Jesus will shine through every area of your life when you do that.
1: Yeah. Jesus, he was spit on. He was mocked. And his heart was like when Jesus is sinned against, his heart is grieved. Mm -hmm. When we're sinned against, our heart is grieved. Like it's so painful. But Mm. as followers of Jesus, like this is a part of his character, forgiveness, grace and mercy is who he is. And if we're supposed to be Christ-like, how can we claim to be Christ-like, claim to be Christians, if we're not full of mercy and grace? And we've been forgiven of much. Mm. So we forgive much. Like Mm. one of our friends this week that we talked to, he's been hurt by the church a lot. And um, was just in a community that was really bad. Um, And he... He said that in this journey of forgiveness and, you know, after leaving that church, he's had to forgive every single day. He's had to work with the Lord on forgiveness. That doesn't make it any less painful, any less traumatizing. And sometimes, you know, counseling is good for these kind of things. To walk through the trauma and the pain because sometimes the people closest to you can cut the deepest. And so sometimes counseling can really help. But most of all, healing is found in the secret place with the Lord. Yeah. And he'll go in there and stitch up the wounds in your heart. He'll, he'll heal all of that hurt. And mm-hmm. so when you look back, you know, a couple of years from now, like for me personally, things and people I've had to, forgive and had to forgive, when I look back now, it's just like water that's passed under the bridge and yeah. something that the Lord has healed me from. And it just reminds me of God's healing power, of his of the power of his blood that just cleanses all of our sin. And you know what's crazy is the Bible says that God casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Like he it's crazy to think that he can forget, like he chooses to to remember our sin no more. And so sometimes, it's so hard as just as human beings like how can we forget mm. and i don't think it's you know i'm not sure if it's possible for us to forget unless god literally removes it from our memory it's not
0: like we're we have amnesia and yeah. we just forget i don't have that
1: see forgetfulness like <laughs> sometimes but um, when it
0: comes to our schedule it seems there's forgetfulness hey
1: <laughs> I'm she doesn't. Trying. She
0: doesn't forget the important things. The non-important tasks. Oh just, my God. Eh, anyway, you know. I'm the scheduler in the relationship. So it's
1: not like we can cast it in the sea forgetfulness unless you know, like the Lord does that through us. Yeah. But these memories will become less painful. Like when we forgive them, we're releasing that control. Like we're when we when we have unforgiveness, we're like, you know, hanging on. We're we're gripping that control and we're just, you know, I'm going to hold this against them. It's like you're just, you're like, um, you know, controlling.
0: Oh, the picture was the servant through the other servant in jail.
1: Yeah. So you're just, contr- you're holding on to any sort of control and you're holding anger, bitterness towards this person. But when you let go mm. and you give it to the Lord and you forgive, that... That really sets you free and that that's the key to healing from those wounds, from that pain.
0: Yep. Yep. And we're not saying that they deserve it by any means. We're not saying that they earned it. We're not saying that, you know, they're good people, therefore we should forgive. No, there's very bad people that we're also called to forgive. There's very bad people that we're called to love. We're called to love our enemies and pray for those who mm-hmm. persecute us. And you know, I'll share a story too. Like, yeah, we've been, I mean, me and Whitney personally have been walking through a lot of things and we had, you know, some accusations and some things thrown at us and some really hurtful things that were said to us, um, in terms of our character and this ministry of the podcast and just the way that we're going about living our life. And, and it's like, you would never think that it would come from somebody that you love and somebody that you respect and you trust and the lord took me to uh i want to cry man i might cry but it's okay um the lord took me to acts chapter seven just in my mind like as i was praying for this person and truly praying like yeah i was hurt like yeah I, i i cried a lot from the conversation and The way it went down and stuff and just like how i was treated but i i i like i look at i look at the other person through the lens of what jesus has done for me and it's like how could i not so he brought up acts chapter seven in my heart and one of the first things that it says in acts seven i don't know if you know this but stephen was the first martyr ever recorded in scripture And it says that when Stephen, at the end of uh, Acts 7, verse 54, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. The people that were listening, Stephen just went on like 40 to 50 verses of telling people that you are the ones that killed Jesus. And you murdered the author of life. You Jews, you killed him. And so they decide, we're going to kill Stephen. So when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. You ever seen someone like get so angry that they just grind their teeth like they just get so mad? That was the situation. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You know, it's insane as Jesus ascended and is seated at the right hand of God. But when Stephen was the first martyr, Jesus stood. I can't wait to hug Jesus in the midst of everything I've walked through and to be be known that I'm, to know that I am loved by him. Jesus stood as a standing ovation to honor Stephen. That's, that's beautiful. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, which is Paul that we know of as the New Testament author, one of the New Testament authors. And as they were stoning Stephen, what what did Stephen say? He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And the second thing he said, as he's falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, so they could hear him. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's the passage that the Lord brought me to when I was thinking about this painful experience that we've had recently. All the words that were exchanged and the ways that we were talked about and slandered and defamed and... Just called heretics, straight up. And it's like, God, don't hold this sin against them. God, don't. Don't hold this sin against them. I know they mean well. I know their heart is trying. Maybe they aren't. I don't know. I don't know their heart. God does. But my response to being treated that way is a gauge Of how much I truly understand the love and forgiveness of God for me. If I truly understand the forgiveness that God has given me. Then I will be able to give that to other people. Like when I see my relationship with Jesus. And I realize like I was a rage filled, addicted, like insecure. Sexually perverse person. And I realized all the things I did up until the point I said yes to Jesus. And he's like, yep, your your debt's clean. And then I turn around and I choke someone out. And I tell them to repay me everything they've ever owed me. Because I just think that they did me wrong, therefore they owe me. And yet I see a life of 16 years. When I said yes to Christ, and then I turn around and and I want to throw them in prison, and yet God let me go free. Like I don't think we understand the gravity of forgiveness when we hold that from someone else. When you choose not to forgive, and God's like, but you don't, you didn't, you don't, you don't recognize what I did. What I did for you is is an eternity worth of debt and this person owes you like a couple months and you're going to go and hold them captive when I've chosen to release you and make you free? That's a wicked servant. That is not a servant that knows the love of the king and the mercy and forgiveness of the king. And so... You know, I share Acts 7, and I share the story of me forgiving that person this week because the Lord truly has healed my heart. When I think of this person, I'm not angry, I'm not resentful, I'm not bitter, I'm not wishing I could just get back at them, and I'm just going to lash out and be mean back. No, I love them. I, I care about them. I-, I My prayers are not, God, please change them. My prayers are, God, please use them for your kingdom. God, grab their hearts and I want them to experience the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that I have in you. And I want their hearts to know you. And I want them to be used mightily for your kingdom. That's way different than, God, this hurt and they need to pay. That's not prayer. Praying for your enemies is loving them in spite of the evil they've done to you. Because the heart of the Father is shown. The character of Jesus is modeled. And we choose to live a life as suffering servants. We've chosen this life. We've signed up for this kingdom. Mm -hmm. We've given our loyalty to Jesus. We've pledged allegiance to this kingdom alone. And I've said, if Jesus lived it and he modeled it for us, disciples in the New Testament weren't people that just let their rabbi teach them things and then they just parroted everything else they said. That's not what a disciple was. A disciple was someone who learned how to walk, talk, eat, and live like the rabbi. And one day the rabbi would give them a authority over to the disciple so that they could continue the tradition. A disciple is somebody who lives and breathes and moves and talks and walks and does the very things that of the one they're following. If Jesus modeled this for us, then we live this way. In response to what he's done for us. We love others because he first loved us. We forgive others because he first forgave us. We're merciful to others because he's been merciful to us. And we're gracious to others because he's been gracious to us.
1: Yep. We've counted the cost. Now it's time to pay up.
0: It's time to pay <laughs> our dues. Not just am <laughs> um, just And I want to point us to another... Um, passage in scripture uh uh, an event that took place during the time of jesus in luke 7 a sinful woman forgiven in verses 36 um it says this one of the pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the pharisee's house and reclined at the table so they're eating hanging out you know typical like all right let's get it let's get some food together and behold a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiping them with her the hair of her head, kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Right there. Oh my gosh, and there's verse 38. So she's weeping. She's wetting his feet with her tears. She's wiping her with her hair. Kissing his feet and anointing his feet with ointment. This is so profound. Like, this par. this, not parable, this actual historical event that took place during the time of Jesus. This woman sees the Messiah, sees God in the flesh, is weeping, literally wets his feet with her tears, lets down her hair, The hair is the glory of the woman, and that is reserved only for her husband. What was she declaring in that moment? You are my only love. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jesus. The woman is declaring her love for Jesus. You are the one whom my soul truly loves. She wiped her hair on his feet, kissed his feet. She showed Jesus her love for him and anointed his feet with the ointment, with the alabaster jar. And now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who's touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He answered, say it, teacher. Like, what's up? A certain money lender had two debtors. Jesus goes into a parable. One owed 500 denarii, like we had learned in the last parable. Denarii is a day's worth of wages, so 500 days, a little over a year's worth. And then other 50. So 50 days versus 500 days is kind of a big difference. Uh, you have over a year's worth or you have almost two months worth. So, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the, toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Like, do you see this woman crying at my feet? Do you see this woman wiping her, ha- her hair on my feet? Do you see this woman pouring the ointment of alabaster jar on my feet? feet were a big deal in the days of jesus because people could go and bathe it's not like today where we have bathtubs or showers or you go to a community shower like they had to go somewhere to wash then they had to come back home and their feet were probably dirty by the time they got back so this ain't no like like this is grimy and she's choosing to go to the dirtiest part of jesus's body which is his feet And to pour everything on him. And Simon, Jesus wanted Simon to recognize what she was doing. And he said, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Jewish culture, I don't know if you've seen in the New Testament, like in the church, they would say, greet each other with a holy kiss. It's like, like a holy kiss. He wasn't greeted with a kiss. He wasn't honored in the home. His feet weren't washed. This is all custom. This is all tradition, which the religious leaders were very, very much concerned about following the tradition and the culture of the day. And they were very to the T with these things. They They very rarely missed the mark. And they were very proud to say that. And so Jesus says, from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't even anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Anointing head was, you know, honoring the person, anointing them, running down the beard. as a way to show respect for him as rabbi and teacher. And Jesus goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This act of faithfulness to Jesus pleased him. All of these religious leaders, he goes into the house of this religious leader, has dinner with him. It doesn't get his feet washed, doesn't get his his hair anointed with oil, his head anointed with oil, doesn't get kissed. But then this woman who should, in that society, have no dealings with Jesus and is not welcome into that home and has done everything that they should have done, he looks at her and says, you're forgiven. And he says, because she's forgiven, she loves much. Look at how much has been forgiven. That's why she loves much. And so to tie it, you know, most of it together is when we look at how much God has forgiven us, we're like, wow, God, like you've forgiven so much of my life and I deserve a separation from you. I deserve an eternity completely separated from you. And yet you've forgiven me all that I've done.
1: So out of gratefulness for what God has done for us, we forgive others Yep, because we've been forgiven much.
0: Yep. And the woman that did her response to Jesus was literally loving him. And her love for him was directly connected to his forgiveness for her. When she recognized who he was and he forgave her sins, Jesus said she was forgiven much. Therefore, she loves much. So your love is directly connected to your forgiveness. The way you love, the way you care about other people, the way you show mercy, the way you show grace, the way you show forgiveness is directly connected to how you love Jesus. They're connected. When you recognize how much you've been forgiven, your response should be, I want to forgive much and I want to love much. Because of what God has done, therefore I will do the same. Mm -hmm but if you're not forgiving much and you're holding unforgiveness and you're bitter and you're resentful your your paradigm your your perspective is off you're not seeing clearly what god's done for you and so it's going back to that place of okay you know what i want to get my right heart my heart right before the lord and i want to i want to see forgiveness as what he's done for me on the cross and when you look back and you see what jesus has done And how much he laid down his life and rose it again so that you could have newness of life and you could live forever with him. It's beautiful. And you might find yourself like struggling with unforgiveness. Like, how could I forgive that person? Or even yourself. We're going to tie that in. Like, how could I forgive myself? You know, like, we've had people in our life come to us and ask us that very question. How do I forgive myself? How can I get over this guilt? How can I get over this shame? And the answer, whether it's you seeing forgiveness from the Lord for you, you forgiving others for what they've done to you, or you forgiving yourself, it all flows from the root, which is recognizing how much God loves and forgives you. Because if you are unable to look in the mirror and to forgive yourself for what you've done, or you feel still feel the shame of that decision, or you still feel the guilt of that choice, I guarantee you it's because you haven't fully surrendered that thing to Jesus. Maybe you have. Maybe it's an everyday thing, like you said, our friend. It's like an everyday thing that I'm surrendering to God. And it's like, yeah. I think we need to give ourselves the same grace that God's forgiven us. I think sometimes we're too hard on ourselves, and we're we condemn ourselves, and we make ourselves feel guilty because we think that we owe Him. We think that we need to pay 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 ourselves back. We need to somehow pay Him back for what we've done. And it's like the one of the most powerful things I've ever heard is, if God's chosen to forget your sin, why do you choose to remember it? If God's chosen to throw your sin into the sea of forgetfulness and remember it no more, why do you go back to that thing and say, I deserve it? Why? Do you think you need to punish yourself? Has the enemy convinced you that you need to punish yourself? Has the enemy convinced you that you're still guilty, you're still condemned, you're still in fault? When Jesus has taken your place as the rightful judge and says, no, they're free, I'll pay the price. I'm the one that will take their place. That's the power of forgiveness. That's how forgiveness can heal us. And we can start at least this journey of becoming whole and healing in our hearts and moving forward and forgiving others who have harmed us and who have hurt us and who have done evil things against us by seeing what Jesus has done on the cross. And then moving from that place, we always start from where Jesus finished. We never start from where we finished. Like, oh my gosh, I did that thing the other day. It's like, no, you start from the cross. You see what Jesus has done. And that's the lens you look at everything in your life through. That's how you look at people. That's how you look at yourself. It's through the lens of what Jesus has done for you.
1: That's good. Mm. I also, if it helps to give you guys a picture, you know, if God forgave you. And like in a court of law,
0: yeah.
1: you're, the, you're the one who's who's sinned and, and is being judged. And God's on the judgment seat and he says, I do not condemn you. And you're like, but no. <laughs> and then you go up and you're like, get out of the way, God. And then you're like, this is my seat. You're like, I don't believe you. <laughs>
0: and then and you- you're like
1: condemned and you and then you hit the the gavel and you're like lifetime sentence
0: (laughs) why do you You push
1: jesus out of the way and then you say why do
0: you think that is whitney why do you think some people i know we've been we've all been there why do you think some people think that they deserve to stay in that place of you know unforgiveness when it comes to their themselves or yeah well, you know, because life. we
1: do we do deserve we do deserve punishment yeah. it's it's true we do deserve it but the one the only person who could condemn us god because he's holy and just and he's perfect chooses to set us free hmm. and it's like we don't believe him we like we feel like it's Our punishment is justified, which it is, but the only person who could, who has the right to judge us and his judgment is pure and perfect and he doesn't, we're like, wait, what? We're free? I think you told me the other day, it's like we're in prison and then Jesus opens the gate and says you're free and you're like, what? No. And then you go and like shut the gate. I deserve this. I'm going to sit here. And I'm gonna carry out my punishment when when Jesus opened the door for you,, mm. and it's so hard to accept sometimes because we know what we've done, we know the pain we've caused, we know what we deserve, yeah, but that just makes the grace even sweeter because we do realize mm. what we've been safe from,
0: yeah, 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 because I think I think when when Jesus frees us by his forgiveness. He opens the jail cell door and says you're free. And some of us, you know, I'll be I'll be 100% right now. Like, some of us, I'll be real. We like to stay in that cell. But I've been there. I'm like, but God, you know what I did. Like, I deserve this. Like, I deserve this mental torment. I deserve to wallow in it for a little bit more because it's comfortable. And it feels good sometimes to feel pity over ourselves.
1: Oh, also. And by by punishing ourselves because Jesus freed us, so we're indebted to him. So by punishing ourselves We feel we're, like
0: we're earning it.
1: We feel like we're earning it. We're not indebted to anybody because we didn't accept the gift.
0: Oh uh, yeah.
1: So I, I think it's also a bit of control and saying, like, no, I don't want to owe God.
0: I don't want to owe God my life. I want I want to. it's this It's this twisted way of thinking that I want to work it off. Mm. Like, I want to be okay on my own. Yeah. I want to be okay on my own. I don't want God to fix it for me. I don't need anybody to help me. I don't need anybody to take care of me. It's this self-reliance. <sighs> it's an independence. Yeah. That you think that you are enough for you and you're not.
1: You can never pay it off. It's like the parable that we read.
0: Two hundred thousand years.
1: Yeah. You are gonna live that long. There's no way you could ever pay that back. But we try. Well we try and it will ever work.
0: <laughs> yep. And that self reliance will kill our intimacy with the Lord mm. if we don't let Him heal us. Because there's only one who can heal the human heart, and that's God. Mm. There's only one who can heal. The human condition you see the world around us you see all the decay you see all the depravity you see all the stuff that's happening it is not fixed with natural solutions natural solutions will come as a byproduct of living in god's world god's way like yeah like we will help make better solutions for the world but we have to this cup is not the problem if i smash whitney over the head with this cup That is a very extreme illustration. But if I were to hit Whitney, I love you. (laughs) It's just water. If I were to hit Whitney over the head with a cup, the cup is not the problem. It's the heart of the person with the cup. Mm. The human condition can only be fixed by one solution. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. That is Jesus incarnate, God with us. That is him making us new creatures, new creations in him. Being born again, being born from above and receiving the spirit of adoption and being called children of God. That is the only way. So this self-reliance, this self-penance where I need to pay it back or I need to do something right or I need to make it better. And I don't need God to fix it for me and I don't need God to take care of me. It's its autonomy. It's, it's literally Adam's first sin. We don't need God. He's not a... He, we are enough for ourselves. It's man's first sin. It was not eating an apple. It was not eating a fruit. It was believing that God was not enough for them. And He is. God is enough for us. God is everything we need. Mm-hmm. But when we, when we try to deal with forgiveness on a level where we think that we're able to handle it on our own, He's the one that heals our hearts. And he gives us the power to forgive because we all know it's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. We're not going to act like it's just dandelions and roses like, oh, this is fun. I love forgiving people. No, it sucks. Sometimes you just want to bop people over the head. (laughs) You just want to facepalm them for themselves. What? (laughs) Sometimes you just want to facepalm somebody. (sighs) and just tell them how dumb they're being.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And how stupid they're acting. But we love and we're gracious and we're merciful and mm-hmm. we forgive. I think my forehead's going to turn red, but that's okay. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> to hard. Hit yourself that, that hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. So, I know I think you want to share. Oh yeah, I just verse.
1: wanted I wanted to go back cuz I think it was really good. I just wanted to share this one point um, Yeah. just going back to after the parable of Matthew 18 Yep. so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart mm-hmm. and I just wanted to point out that it's really important that we don't put up a, a facade of forgiveness Yeah, and and you know someone comes and apologizes to you say oh yeah I forgive you but you still harbor that unforgiveness against them in your heart and it's important that we mean what we say that we mean uh, when we forgive someone, we forgive them when we let go from our hearts mm. and that we are no longer
0: from your heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That we mean it with our whole being yep. that we release them with everything and we love them. We pray for them. It's really important that we don't just say it, but that we live it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And the heart in the Greek is Strong's strong G 2588, which is cardia. So cardia, you know, is the heart, it's the organ in the body, but it also denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. Mm. So the soul, the mind, it's the seat of thoughts, passions, desires, affections, purposes, endeavors. It's like if we just forgive somebody in our mind, we're like, I forgive them. But then every time we think about them, we're bitter. Every time we think about them, we're resentful. We want to pay, we want them to pay for what they did to us. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't just a band aid you throw on a situation because you, it's the right thing to do. No, forgiveness is a heart posture mm-hmm. that emulates in your life, that is seen by others, that your life is is embodied forgiveness. Yeah, we talk about this a lot on this channel. Embodied loyalty, embodied forgiveness, is you seeing it in your life, seeing it in your attitude, seeing it in your heart and in your mind and your emotions, and everything starts to follow the heart posture of forgiveness. And so I really appreciate you yeah. sharing that with us.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also good to remember we not only forgive, but we serve and we love. So don't stop with just forgiving someone. Love them. Lay your life down for them. Like, serve yeah. them. And and like if they have a need, serve them. Like, go do something for them. Because yeah. it's it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Yeah. And so it can be that kindness, God working through you and your kindness shown towards them that can lead them to repentance. Yeah. If someone does something wrong to you and you go and serve them, you give them a gift, you see a need and you fill it. That's like, hmm.
0: oh,
1: that's heaping burning coals on their head.
0: Yep. And heaping burning coals on their head in that culture was actually loving them because heaping burning coals was a way to keep warm. Yep. So you're actually providing for that person. Mm -hmm. You're actually serving them and loving them. And I think I want to make a final disclaimer uh, before we wrap up is just like, I want to make things clear too. Like you're probably thinking in your head all these questions. But I think one of the questions you might be thinking or you might drop in the comments below is like, well, what about abuse? You know, well, what about, you Mm -hmm. know, harm, like physical harm? And we just want to say like, we don't ever think that you should just forgive and maintain a relationship of abuse or physical harm or mental abuse or emotional abuse. Like all of those things are very real. And so we're not sitting here saying just forgive them and love them and just stay in that place. It's like, no, like if you're in very real danger, get out and you separate. You can forgive from afar. Yeah, you could totally, you know, forgive from afar. But I think it's important that we just make that disclaimer because we're not trying to act like there aren't very real situations mm-hmm. where it's dangerous. Um, your life may be at stake or... um that you're in an unhealthy situation and so we want to make that clear like you know you you're still called as a believer for, to forgive you're still called as a believer to love but that does not mean that you put up with abuse or neglect or or any of those things that are unhealthy and mm-hmm. dysfunctional um and creating boundaries and yeah i mean that that happens in in my life you know with people that we love and we know and it's like you know there's people that we know that it's like you know, like I love you and I forgive you, but I'm not going to I don't like you and I'm not going to stay in a relationship with you just because I forgive you and love you doesn't mean that I automatically just I keep a relationship with you yeah. because you're going to constantly abuse me and and mentally, you know, talk down to me and be toxic and all these things. It's like, yeah, I love you. I do love you. I will serve you. I will show up and I will help you if you're in need. I will be there for you. when, when If you call me and you're like, I'm in danger, I'm there. Because your family or your friends and I care about you and I love you. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to put up with abuse. I don't have to put up with, with, with unhealthy and dysfunctional behavior that is consistently being uh, propagated against another person and so i just i just felt like i wanted to say that too because it's helpful i don't want people to think that we're just out here forgiving people and letting people do whatever they want and you know but but granted you know there are going to be people that in other countries that want to kill you for your faith we're still called to love them there are countless stories like um a man that i heard a story of in the middle east and while he was in prison in uh I think it was Afghanistan or Iran or Pakistan, wherever he was, he said that they would put uh put they would light a cigarette and then they would put it out on his back. And every time he did, he felt Jesus hugging him and he prayed for them every time. And chose to love them in spite of his torture. What does that look like in the life of a believer here in America? Mm. You might get people telling you that you're stupid and you're dumb and, oh, you believe in a sky daddy or daddy God or you believe in the the spaghetti sky monster or whatever the what? case is. People say that stuff, dude, all the time.
1: What? Spaghetti sky Yeah, monster. I've heard
0: that. I've heard that. No way. Yeah, I just saw it like last week. And people may be saying all kinds of stuff against you. And it's like the worst that we have in America, at least for right now. I can't, I'm not a fortune teller. I can't say years from now. But at least for right now, is maybe dealing with insults. But just know that your brothers and sisters across the world are literally being beheaded because of this. Uh, because of this, walk with Jesus, and they're choosing to love and to forgive and to be compassionate and merciful towards their their torturers and towards those who are choosing to kill them, because they're praying that they would see them in heaven as well. Mm. They're, they believe that not only did Jesus die for their sins, the ones that are being tortured, but he also died for theirs. And the sin that they're committing against them is the sin that Jesus died for, and he wants them to know him too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on the Kingdom Allegiance podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed learning about forgiveness and how God forgives us, how we forgive others. And then how we can, in turn, learn how to forgive ourselves for things we've done. Mm -hmm. And we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) And we'll see you on the next one. (laughs) Good night. Good day. Good afternoon. See ya.